Hey guys, before we jump into the podcast, just want to give a quick shout out to a new product that I am absolutely loving right now. This is Air Tree Vitamin Spray. That's right, it's a vitamin spray. These guys are taking vitamins and nutrients and they've bottled it up into a spray that you simply spray onto your skin and you rub it in. So for Everybody who's dealing with digestive issues or you're your popping pills and you're your mixing powders and you're your dropping tinctures and you're, you know, you're walking around with pill boxes and you're going crazy taking like 30 different supplements a day, this bypasses all of that because you simply just spray this onto your skin, you rub it in, and it goes directly into your bloodstream. This is really the most effective way to absorb the nutrients that you're taking. So for listeners of the Holistic Nootropics podcast, Airtree is giving away two free bottles of their supplement. That's right, two free bottles of their spray vitamins. All you gotta do is go to holisticnootropics.com forward slash free spray and we'll send you the link to pick up two free bottles of this product. So you can choose between vitamin B12, vitamin C, vitamin D, melatonin, or hemp isolate. This is an amazing deal. All you gotta do is just pay the shipping, which is like six bucks, and these bottles go for like 35 bucks a piece normally. So again, just go on over to holisticnootropics.com forward slash free spray. Shoot us your email. We'll shoot you the link to pick up two free bottles of this stuff. And then on top of that, you get 20% off of future purchases. So one more time, head on over to holisticnootropics.com forward slash free spray. Boost your brain, boost your life. Let's get into the podcast. You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. And today on the podcast, I am chatting with Oscar Sierra. Oscar Sierra is a board-certified herbalist and acupuncturist. He uses uh, traditional Chinese medicine and functional medicine in his thriving holistic practice there in Atlanta, Georgia. And me and Oscar in this episode talk all about using herbs and traditional Chinese medicine to really help the innate healing process in um, patients that he sees really begin the recovery process from a lot of chronic illness, a lot of nagging issues that people deal with, how to apply this for mental health, how to use herbs in place of more pharmaceutical um, pharmaceutical medications. We talk about using herbs for depression, using herbs for anxiety and ADHD. Uh, this is a great conversation, really in line with what we do here at Holistic Nootropics, using these innate healing abilities of the body along with the nootropics. Um, and so Oscar was a great guy to talk to about all this. Now, before we jump into the podcast, just a quick reminder, if you are listening to the podcast, if you haven't done this yet, make sure you subscribe. It's super easy to do. It's 20, what is it? 2021. You know how to do it? Just click the subscribe button right there on your phone. And if you're listening to this on an iPhone, just go on over to iTunes, leave the podcast a nice review, a five-star review would be great, but you know, if, if you're not feeling five, if you're feeling four, well, I don't know what I can do to make you happier. Five is what we want. Five is gonna help the podcast climb in the charts. And if you think this information that we're putting out here is valuable, using the mind-body connection to help people really thrive in life, um, then you want this to get to more people. People need this information. Help the podcast climb the charts, uh, charts, charts, 
charts. Leave a nice review, five stars, and hit the subscribe button. Shoot it out to all your friends. You know how to do this stuff. So without any further ado, sit back, relax, walk your dog, run on the treadmill, however you listen to podcasts. Enjoy my conversation with Oscar Sierra. Oscar Sierra, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Thank you, Eric. Good to be here. Yes. Well, it's great to have you. You're a you're an herbalist practicing traditional and Chinese medicine out of Atlanta, um, or functional medicine. Sorry about that. And I, uh, you know, you crossed my path uh, with this whole idea of practicing herbalism because here in the nootropics and the biohacking space, I'm sure you, you know, you you see some people come along and and everyone nowadays, you know, especially with the COVID and especially with people looking for more and more alternative medicines, people are getting really into herbs. And I don't have an extensive history with herbs. I have kind of a fundamental understanding of them. I've, I've done the research on them. I've read a lot of journals, but I, I feel like they go so further deep than just what can be written on them. So I was hoping maybe you can give, you know, kind of a quick introduction as to really the way that you see herbal medicine um, and, and this kind of idea of traditional Chinese medicine at large and how you use it in your practice. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So yeah, traditional Chinese medicine is my background. And before that, I got my degree in nutrition science from the University of Georgia, which honestly was uh, was horrible. And, and this is on par with most of the nutrition programs in the country, but I'm not going to dwell on that. Most of what I learned about nutrition was through seminars and conferences and uh, doing the work, like having patients on the table and, and you know running the labs, the urine, the stool, the, the blood work, the, the analyses that show that you know on paper they may be getting 2,000 calories, but um, uh, of those, because of whatever genomic or genetic mutations are going on with them or their tumors, I work a lot with cancer patients, they really need a lot more of X, Y, and Z nutrient. And, um, and none of this stuff was taught in school, sadly. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, after that, uh, Chinese, uh, martial arts is kind of what got me into this whole mess. The concepts of qi and flow and yin and yang and balance translated into the Chinese medicine arts. I got my, my uh, certification and, um, licensure in acupuncture. And then that really got me into herbs and herbs really got me into uh, more functional medicine stuff. And it's all really kind of the same thing. It's systems engineering, it's big picture thinking, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, and that's a common theme I, I come across, which is just, you know, as a practitioner myself, it's the failure of mainstream education to truly help a practitioner understand nutrition, you know, which is amazing because like if we're talking about medicine, we're talking about chemicals that we're literally putting in our body every day. And, you know, that's why herbs fascinate on on purpose. Exactly. Like, uh, it's how we have to survive. And yet we understand so little of it to the point now it's like, you got the diet wars and everybody now is religious about their, um, you know, about their diet. But the herbs fascinate me because they seem like this this more concentrated nutrient that 
you know, you'll hear, you'll hear all kinds of claims like, you know, anything from, you know, this, this cured, this, this cured my Alzheimer's or cancer to, you know, I, I can't go a day without it all the way to the other side, which is like, oh, it's quackery, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hocus pocus. And I mean, I use herbs myself. I, I listen to people who use herbs and there is something to it. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, and you've told me that you've had some great experiences with, with these different plant medicines as well. Yeah. And it's all on a spectrum. You mentioned nutrients and food herbs. And, uh, so it's kind of like, I, I'm just now formulating this as I'm, as I'm saying it, I, I had always had the understanding that there's, there's food and then there's herbs, which are also food, you know, like Job's tears, for example, in Chinese medicine or, or mint, you know, like it's common or, or, you know, oregano or basil or, you know, Tulsi kind of like uh, turmeric, you know, like it's kind of food, but it's also kind of a, an herb. So there's like, you know, rice, you know, or squash, you know, a blueberry, Right. And then it, which are good foods, lettuce, whatever. But then you start kind of transitioning into things that are more herbs and medicinal. And then you start concentrating these and maybe just take an action, you know, not whole milk thistle with the lignans and the fiber and the protein. You just take the psilomerin and psilobinin and, uh, and, or the berberine from your uva ursi or, or coptis chinensis and you use that more like a, a, a drug which is not bad necessarily. It's not always what I do. And then you have like B6, you know, which is just like, it's a nutrient and it is almost drug like when you use it in certain ways and, and very targeted ways, but it still kind of goes into dopaminergic pathways and the serotonergic pathways and helps make melatonin. So it's a, it's a dirty drug, if you will, so that it does, it doesn't do just one thing. It does a, a few things, but it is one chemical you know, be it pyridoxine or, or pyridoxine 5-phosphate. Um, and then you have drugs, which typically are one chemical, or always one chemical, and, and they are at least historically tried to make one, hit one pathway, right? Um, but as I'm thinking about this, and I think this, so it's on a spectrum of like kind of gentle uh, medicine to more heroic medicine of like having a big, strong effect um, and or there are some herbs that can do that. You know, your belladonna is your aconite. Uh, this is heroic medicine that can, could kill you. Uh, but I could also, if you just use it right in a small amount, could really hit the mark. And now that I'm thinking about it, like it, you could also zoom out from food. You know, the things that we put purposefully, maybe not just in our mouth, but in our lives of experiences and people and the environment, you know, the quality of our air and water and our community. So it's all kind of like this spectrum of, you know, from big to small, you know, the drugs being kind of on the far end over here that have, you know, single agent, single target to experiences, you know, which are like multivariable, multi-agent, uh, multi-targeted, um, and herbal medicine is, is somewhere in between. And you, you, you can't exactly say where it stops because, of course, herbs have, have chemicals and phytochemicals, right? You know, we, I've just been reading this really amazing uh, thread on Herbal Hall, which is kind of a, you know, all the authors of uh, books and kind of 
famous, super wise old herbalists are on this email. We're talking about um, ephedra, right? Which unfortunately is banned in the U.S. because of uh, it has um, ephedrine, you know, and it's a chemical, and it, it 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 can cause harm. But if you use the whole plant and the plant in a formula and the formula in the context of a person in an environment with someone that knows how to put all those things together, you're good. Anyway, I, I digress. I, there was maybe a question there at some point, but I, I was just, I, it just came to me while we were talking about this. No, that's such, it's such an interesting point. Um, and I'd love to, uh, is that herbal hall threat? Is that accessible to people or is that? You know, somehow, uh, it's so it's an invite only, and somehow I got invited to it, even though I rarely chime in because it would. It's like I, who am I? I mean, like I'm I'm 41, and I've been doing this for just 12, 13 years, and uh, you know most of the people on there have been doing this for way longer, and they they're published authors, and they have PhD and all these things behind their name. And, you know, they're my teachers. Like when I've been going to these seminars the last 10 years, these are the guys that I'm learning from. And occasionally I'll chime in, usually just something smart ass. Uh, but um, they're fascinating conversations to watch. And actually what's also kind of funny is that they, they, they argue and occasionally bicker amongst themselves, which is just like really for someone in the industry kind of, kind of fun to watch. So while you were talking, you, you made me think about this idea that's so interesting, which is like, okay, we take the big to the small. So, so I think where I kind of want to start things is this idea that, and you kind of alluded to this, which is maybe the mistake that we make as, you know, citizen scientists, right? Or as biohackers or as just people who want to be healthy and we go to Costco and we go get like a bottle of ashwagandha or we get a bottle of rhodiola or something. And we look at it almost like we do a, a pharmaceutical drug. Like we're trying to get an herb, a plant um, or ginkgo or whatever it is to give us the same reaction that we would get from something like, you know, like an antidepressant or like a, like a blood pressure medication. Right. And, uh, and I know with herbs, there's a lot more to it because it's not just the medicine. It's like the person themselves, like where are they coming from? Their, their constitution, are they wet? Are they dry? Are they hot? Are they cold? Like, I, I don't even know if that's, if I'm phrasing this correctly, because I understand it can go a lot deeper than that. Um, and then the idea of, well, if we are taking these medic, if we are taking these herbs with a pharmacological purpose, then what we're also doing is not only where are we coming from, but we're missing all the rest of the plant compound that's also beneficial. So, um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that or at least your experience coming from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think Eric, I think you, you're on it. You're, you, uh, and yes, um, the simple, so you have to just think, and it's okay. Like if you're looking for a little energy boost to look at uh, ashwagandha, okay, cool. You know, I would rather someone blindly, you know, citizen scientists go grab a bottle of Walmart ashwagandha than go, you know, get some meth or, you know, tons of coffee or, you know, cocaine or something or, uh, or some, farm, you know, uh, um, uh, Vyvanse or something, you know, prescription Vyvanse or Adderall from their, from their doc. Uh, but it's still maybe missing the point of, you know, well, why am I tired? Why can't I focus? 
uh, sure, uh, ashwagandha is nice. You know, withania somnifera, it has a, a long track record of safety and efficacy. And that's not to say that it's a fit for everyone because uh, everyone has their own mojo, right? Some people run cold, some people run hot, some people run more damp. Some people run more dry and given their constitution, what they were born with and given their environment and given their condition, uh, it either will be a fit or will not be a fit. And, you know, the, the plants themselves have their own mojo. They are drying. They are, you know, cinnamon at room temperature, not nutmeg at room temperature, watermelon at room temperature, right? Like everyone kind of gets the fact that one is cooling, you know, iceberg lettuce, watermelon, you know, honeydew melon. At room temperature, it's kind of cooling and moisting and refreshing. And, you know, your dried ginger and nutmeg is kind of warming and hot and spicy, a little bit drying. So, you know, a two-year-old gets this. Uh, so the basics are there. Yes, you can take it to the, the you know, more subtle levels of its, its drying and warming or, you know, moving to the blood and warming or it's, you know, warming and... Uh, opens the channels or warming and diaphoretic and makes you sweat or warming and moves the, the blood in the uterus. Uh, there's different subtle flavors, just like a chef, you know, understands flavors. Um, these are, you know, people have their own mojo and flavors and plants have their own mojo and flavors. And when you combine the plants together in an entree, for the right person in the right season and the right constitution, you can really hit home runs. And uh, sure, every blue moon, you'll hit a home run with simply getting your one bottle of ashwagandha for the one person that happened to, you know, fit the exact uh, indication for that plant. And maybe even they, you know, open their head to like, oh, once I took this ashwagandha, I realized that the reason I was tired is because I just wasn't sleeping. And the reason I wasn't sleeping is because I hate my girlfriend. She's just super annoying. And she like, you know, makes these horrible sounds all night long and she doesn't let me sleep. And uh, I don't even know why I'm with her anyway. Now that uh, we've broken up and I realize that I'm gay and, and uh, you know, that I sleep so much better. I don't need to ask anymore. I, I just made that up. Obviously no, you, get, a- <laughs> you get the idea. So ashwagandha can help you realize you're gay. Okay, got it. That's they that's don't. It. That's it, basically. Yeah. They, they don't put that on the label, um, <laughs> and that's and that's such an interesting thing about about supplements in general, which is it, we take them, you know, we take them in such an uncontrolled sample, right? Like we take supplements and it's like you said, there's all this other stuff happening in your life. You know, there's also your diet. There's the chemicals that you eat in food. There's your own stress level. There's your own relationship level. And then you can get those beneficial oxytocin hormones. Like when you're in a good relationship, right? When you're around friends and then you start taking something like, you know, like an herb, like an ashwagandha or a ginkgo or something. And all of a sudden you start feeling better. But was it the, was it the, the plant or was it like a combination of all of these things? I think we forget that we're just, we are, we're just, we're just a lab, right? We're just, a, we're just a chemistry lab. And the more chemicals we put in, the, the different the reaction is going to be. Yeah. And the answer to your question is yes. Yes. Okay, good. Um, so kind of going back then, you know, because so much of it does depend on, on a person's personal constitution, right? 
is there a way to know like do you run hot or do you run cold? Do you run damp? Do you run dry? Is there a way that a person can kind of figure that that out? And then when they do figure that out, um, is there like um like a Rosetta Stone or something that you can that you can tap into that would know? Okay, this is the herb that's right for me, or this is the the plant or the mushroom or whatever it is that's right for me. Yeah, that's that's. That's a great question, and I get asked that recently because there's been people that, so I'm a herbalist and an acupuncturist, and, uh, and I have this clinic here, and, uh, you know, we're okay, but, but uh, we're definitely not making tons of money, and sometimes we do have a hard time making payroll, so there's, you know, there's lots of people that really care about me and what we're doing and are trying to help, and they're like, well you're an amazing herbalist and like you formulate these great things. Why don't you just like come out with a product and sell a bunch of those, you know, cause you got organic herbs, use, use uh, reverse osmosis water. Like no one else is doing this. No one else is compounding the Chinese herbs with Western herbs and you're doing the blood work and blah, blah, blah. But like, can't you just come up with a couple, two, three products, a nootropic, that's a big deal. Or, you know, um, and I'm like, I, that's not my, that's, you know, I make one product for one person at one point in time, which might be that person two weeks later might be different. And we need to, I don't, I don't make one product for the masses because it's going to hit some of the time and totally be wrong some other time. And so they said, well, is there like a, you know, some of these guys are IT guys and I'm like, well, you know, the way you formulate, you know, they're hot or cold, they crave sweet or they crave salty, they crave this or that, like, I can program a computer if there's just people to just answer some questions, you know, and, and, and then we can even do like AI machine learning to where like people answer the questions themselves and the, the machine starts learning how to be like you. And, uh, and I'm like, well, that's very cool and a little scary. Uh, but um, sure, that's maybe, I mean, it's an art and it's a science. So yes, you can ask, you know, the 15, 30, 40, 50 questions. Do you run hot or cold? Do you crave sweet or salty? Is your tongue uh, pale or red? Are your eyes, you know, red or dry? Um, you know, are you shaped like me that's tall and skinny? Uh, or, you, you know, I have like a lot of neck. You know, five of my fingers are not enough to cover my neck. Some people are just built like bricks and they're not fat. They're just kind of built like a brick and they don't have a neck. So that's an earth constitution and that makes them susceptible to some things and makes her condition more susceptible to damp and whatever. But you can theoretically, you know, come up with an algorithm to figure this stuff out, I suppose. Uh, and that, that would maybe get you close. And then there's just some subjective uh, kind of, sub there's an art too, you know, it's kind of like, I guess you could program a computer to, write like Bach and that has been done and it sounds like Bach. Um, would I want to sit through a concert of a computer playing Bach? No, probably not. Um, anyway, uh, yes, you can, you, there, it is both a science, you know, you can read the functional lab work and say, you know, if the iron is below this level and their red blood cells and hemoglobin and hematocrit are below this level, they are iron deficient anemic. And therefore if they weigh this much, you give them this much iron. But, um, but you know, that's not a meal. That's a carrot. You know, how do you formulate meals that have to do with not just the iron, but you know, iron with a little vitamin C uh, with, with uh, the right mix of other herbs and nutrients at the right time for the right person with the right exercise regime and the right 
frame of mind and and uh that is the art of it um but yeah the herbs have their own mojo you should you should attune it to the person's first and foremost condition then their environment and then their constitution and yeah you could get pretty close with uh with math and an algorithm i suppose if that's what you're into are there um herbs that or plants that you don't want to use together like i've heard for instance you know you can be either ashwagandha or rhodiola but you don't want to use those together um because they they're they're two different even though they have adaptogenic qualities um they are meant for two different people but not at the same time is that true or do you, or do you have anything like that where you say these are two plants that kind of like they don't go together for the same person. There are definitely plants that cancel each other out and uh, nullify each other and and sometimes augment their potential toxicity. Uh, Those are few. And I would, it's a similar question that if you were going to ask a chef, and this is maybe back when I had a TV, the kind of things that they would do on those cooking shows 15 years ago is they would say, you know, uh, the top chef or whatever, we're like, okay, we've got a sweet potato and um, uh, a piece of mousse and um, uh, ketchup, you know, make an amazing meal. Um, and they're seemingly disparate things, right? And you would say like, well, I, would, I wouldn't really ever combine those things, but like artistry, you know, if you just give them some time and space and creativity in the right situation. No, I would say there's no hard and fast rule. You know, like I'm sure some chef, you know, looked at those disparate ingredients, you know, cornflakes and, uh, you know, mousse and, uh, I don't know, some, some weird ingredients. And then I've seen these chefs like crush up the cornflakes and then like, you know, put them in a batter and then like do something really interesting and creative. And the people, the, the judges were like, holy crap, you did it, you know? So the same thing with herbal medicine. There's no hard and fast rules. We're trying to accomplish something here. Uh, there are definitely some guidelines, and there are a few things that you don't want to use together. I wouldn't say particularly ashwagandha and rhodiola you don't want to use together. Uh, I mean, they are kind of opposites. Ashwagandha is, is quite warming, and rhodiola is uh, uh, cold and very astringent. Uh, I've actually seen formulas with both of those together, but they definitely put some moistening agents in there and little licorice licorice makes everyone play together in the same sandbox fairly well that's why it's in 95 percent of all chinese herbal formulas it it just is like the peacemaker within meals or formulas so to answer your question uh yeah but um yeah but if if sometimes it's called for and if you know what you're doing just like a chef like you can you know no one would think cornflakes and you know moose meat would be like in a recipe together, but these, these great chefs and the, you know, if you just give them a little bit of a kitchen space, they can really formulate something pretty cool. Hey everybody, just wanted to take a second to break away from the podcast to tell you about my favorite pre-formulated nootropic stack. That is Mind Lab Pro. I 
I look at MindLab Pro kind of like a, a nootropic multivitamin. If you're a, a nootropic newbie, this is a great nootropic stack to start with. Even if you're an experienced nootropic user, maybe you've been putting together your own kind of different stacks using different nootropics together, and maybe you've hit a plateau, maybe you just haven't found the, the one that works right for you. Maybe you found something that worked right, and then you try to pair it with something else, and, and the whole thing kind of fell apart, and then that original nootropic doesn't work for you. MindLab Pro is pre-formulated. It's made by scientists, so they actually pre-formulate it with the right amounts, the right ingredients, 11 research-backed nootropic ingredients, by the way, that are proven to help boost your cognition, your memory, your focus, your mood, all those benefits you look for out of a nootropic, especially a nootropic stack, you're gonna get with MindLab Pro. You've got citicoline, which is gonna boost your acetylcholine production. It's gonna boost dopamine. It's gonna boost your focus. It's gonna boost your memory, your process speed. You've got phosphatidylserine, which is going to help you with nerve growth factor. It's got glucose metabolism enhancement. You've got the modulation of the HPA axis. It's going to help your energy levels. It's going to help your mood. It's going to help your stress levels, which is so important. You've got Bacopa Monnieri. You've got Rhodiola, an amazing adaptogenic herb. you got one of the most popular nootropic or holistic nootropics out there, Lion's Mane Mushroom. You're getting that nerve growth factor, literally growing new brain, promotes healthy brain cell function. So so many amazing benefits from Lion's Mane. You've also got things like maritime pine bark extract and of course N-acetyl-L-tyrosine which is going to help boost dopamine levels and of course norepinephrine levels. So if you need a boost in mood, if you're dealing with some depression, if you just need to be a little bit more lively, let's say you're, you're, you're kind of falling apart going out in social situations, assuming you're, you're breaking your social distancing, you're going out, you need a little N-acetyl-L-tyrosine and then of course one of the classic great nootropics, L-theanine, hit that alpha brainwave, get into flow. If you're trying to pair something with coffee to take the edge off a little bit, or, or if you're just getting rid of caffeine in general, L-theanine is a great nootropic amino acid. And then you have the cofactors, the B vitamins to help really put everything together. B6, B9, B12, you know, it's like you can have all these amazing nootropics together, but if you don't turn on the fire, if you don't stir the pot, that's what the B vitamins do. They help get everything together so that it's metabolized. It hits your brain. It works the way it's supposed to do. Right now, we have a deal with MindLab Pro directly through HolisticNootropics.com. You get three months of MindLab Pro with an extra fourth month for free. Just go on over to HolisticNootropics.com forward slash MindLab Pro. Again, HolisticNootropics.com forward slash MindLab Pro. Get one free month of MindLab Pro with the purchase of three. You can't beat this deal. The nootropic multivitamin MindLab Pro, my favorite. Okay, let's get back into the podcast. Awesome. In regards to specifically different conditions, so, you know, I, I talk a lot about the adaptogens because I've really been diving into this idea of, of stress hormones and stress response and the HPA axis because I, I yeah. find a lot of people are very, are very, are dealing with stress, you know, stress is the heart of, you know, most chronic disease and Taking my adaptogens now. Oh, there you go. Well, I'm glad I reminded you to take your adaptogens. Um, but I'm wondering for things like something like ADHD. Um, yeah. You know, you have you, you you have this massive complex of so many people taking taking pharmaceuticals like Adderall or Ritalin for for ADHD and, and to focus. And even in the nootropic space, with the you know, there's the popular smart drugs like um, Adafinil, right? And you know, where I'm coming from is I'm always trying to look at, well, what is the natural alternative? You know, what, what would work in that place? Because 
at the same time, when you take those, of course, you're going to get that pharmacological response. But when you want to stop taking it, assuming you've, you've, you know, dove deep into taking it too consistently and you might have gotten addicted to it. Now you want to find something that's a little bit more natural, less addictive. So if you're working with somebody who is specifically working with one of these focus drugs, but wants to get off, you know, where do you start, you know, as an herbalist, what are some good herbs that help uh, kind of replace those drugs? I hear your question. And uh, I will say the same quick caveat that I said earlier, that uh, let's just assume that their that their diet, either because of you or someone else is now on point, And let's assume that their environment is clean, they're not inhaling mold every day, which can cause brain fog. And no amount of my ashwagandha or ginkgo or lion's mane or, or uh, you know, rosemary will clean up their moldy carpet at home or their moldy vents, right? So let's just assume that, that uh, you've got your mold guy to come out and do some sampling and air quality testing, that the, the water is clean, uh, their environment is on point, including their social environment, their exercise. Or the, let's assume that all of those things are now taken care of either because you were diligent enough to ask the questions or, or, someone, or you delegated to the environmental uh, mold guy or the dietitian or the uh, exercise guy and the rabbi, the priest, you know, all the taking care of the spiritual stuff. So let's just assume that all of that has been at least looked at and is being worked on. Uh, now let's get to the herbs, right? Okay. Uh, I would say um, if this person is looking to uh, increase focus and concentration, I would ask, well, um, but yeah, there's some herbs that it's still like the herbs are according to, you know, so, you know, why? You know, is it that they're nervous? Is it that they're sleepy? Is it that um, uh, they get distracted easily? Right, but they're, if their mind is kind of like getting distracted, is it's not that they're tired or sleepy, uh, then I would look at things to calm and settle the mind. I would look at a, a go-to cola. I would look at a bacopa, especially if their constitution is, uh, is more earth-like or they're damp. You know, they're they're puffy under the eyes. Their tongue is swollen and it has scalloped marks. If they're maybe a little bit overweight, if they have some water retention, uh, bacopa. As a tea, you know, I'm drinking tea infusions all day long, adaptogens and other nootropics. Um, it doesn't taste great. It doesn't taste bad. Uh, it is a little bit drying to the palate. I, I like it as a tea, but it really needs, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, parsley. It's nice. I like it. it. It's good for your breath, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a meal. This is not balanced, right? So you need to combine it with something a little moistening because it's a little drying. And if, and if that other moistening thing is also a little sweet, like licorice or like milky oats or like tilia or linden, then it makes a nice tea. And I've, I've given it to kids and had a good effect. So those are calming. So mind cause, so the, for the person that has like their brain is kind of going all over the place, the centella go to cola, the bacopa, uh, with, with some demulcent, uh, moistening thing as a tea. Sure, you could do it as a capsule. That would be fine as well. A tincture would be okay as well. But I, I like teas. It keeps people hydrated. It, it helps them, you know, it, it makes them go pee. They got to get up from their computer and go do something different. You know, uh, we should not be staring at any, let alone a screen, but at a, you know, you could stare at a, a duck, you know, for that's two feet away from your face 
for an hour. And it's just not good for our eyeballs, right? Our eyeballs are not meant to use the muscles to focus on something three, two, three feet away from your face for hours on end. So you need to like go get up and look at something far away every once in a while. And sometimes that in and of itself can help. So like drinking tea will make you go up and uh, use the bathroom. And so I kind of like that better than, uh, than capsules. There are some herbs that taste god awful though, which I, I'm okay with putting in, in a capsule. So I would look at the cup. I would look at Centella. I'd mix it with some licorice and that makes a lovely tea. I, I make something similar here in my clinic called the Focus Pocus Mix. And, you know, for different people, it's a little bit more Centella or a little bit more Bacopa. Um, I'll put a little green tea in there for people because of the theme, um, theme. Green tea is also a little calming, but, uh, you know, it gives you a little caffeine if, if you're trying to wean off of, uh, uh, harder stimulants or a lot of coffee, uh, because of your HPA axis or, you know, whatever else, uh, I, rather than just telling someone a quick coffee, I might throw a little green tea in their mix. And, uh, there's some other topicals that you can put directly in your adrenals of adaptogens like black spruce that, um, kind of helps them not have the crashes of coming off of coffee and the headaches and stuff like that. So that's one scenario. If you want to throw some other scenarios out of, of people, uh, there's many reasons why someone might use an Adderall or a Vyvanse or, you know, some other crutch. Sure. Yeah. They, uh, with the, with the drugs themselves, um, you know, what I find is it's, it, I, the word crutch is an interesting word because I do find that for a lot of people it is, it's, it's a habit, you know, I think it has a pharmacological, um, you know, grasp on people. But I think there's also this kind of self-talk that we have where it's like, I can't focus without my, without my Adderall, right? Or I can't get it together. Or I, I have attention deficit, uh, attention deficit disorder. I can't stay focused, right? And so I, the reason I ask about the herbs specifically is because I think people, you know, yeah, in an ideal world, it would be great to live in a not moldy house. But for a lot of people, that's, you know, that's, that's difficult to impossible, right? I think for a lot of people, the diet thing is tricky because I, you know, I work with people with diet issues and it's, it's just more of like to, to change the diet. That's like literally trying to turn a cruise ship, uh, you know, around on a dime because it's like, well, I don't know how to eat if I don't have my routine of food all day. So, you know, I think that's where the supplements come in. And for many people, they can be helpful because it's like, well, all these other things I can't change or I can change them very slow to the point where I'm not actually seeing an effect, which is why I go with the drugs because the drugs give me the effect that I notice. So, but the drugs are now making me dependent and diminishing my quality of life. So now I'm looking at the herbs because everyone's telling me the herbs are great and they're potent. Um, you know, so that, that's why I, I, you know, I, I think that it's great to understand, like, it's like you said, you have to really know, like, do you like the tea? Do you like the capsule? The capsule's easier for people because you can pop it and go. The tea can be a little off-putting. Um, but I'm a, I'm a fan of the tea myself. Like I said, some of them taste awful. And I make Chinese herbal decoctions, and for the most part, I have a, a whole equipment here to brew. I mean, it's huge industrial equipment to brew decoctions. Uh, but it's to say, you know, uh, polypharmacy, uh, uh, lots of herbs, 
water-based decoctions or you, you brew them up as a tea, not a summer leaf tea, it's a decoction. This is a tea. You, you put cold water in with some leaves and twigs and berries and flowers and you have, you know, colored water and that has the phytochemistry that you're looking for. And, uh, a lot of these taste okay. Like I said, the ones that I mentioned, Centella tastes pretty good. It tastes, it smells like antique furniture. Which for me, it has a nice. I, I I have good memories about antique furniture at my grandmother's house and my great grandmother's house. It doesn't taste bad. It tastes pretty good. I have kind of woody. Uh, you know, put a little licorice in there um, and some demulcents in it. I, I haven't had anyone that doesn't like the taste of it. Um, the copa, like I said, is a little roasty. Sometimes I'll put that in in mixes where people are. I don't poo poo coffee, but if someone for whatever reason needs to come off of coffee. I'll make roasty flavored teas and bacopa is usually definitely in there. Um, but yeah, you're right. So sometimes a tincture will work well because it's somewhat portable. You don't have to carry around one of these when you're, you know, going around the country, you know, uh, airport to airport. Um, the pills, of course, uh, they all have their pros and cons. Um, yeah. So it's important to just make, but to your point though, that, you can actually address a little, you know, give someone a crush and have them work on their home air quality. Like behind me right here, you see that, that thing right here is uh, Austin Air. There it is. That's um, or, uh, IQ Air, rather. I have a, uh, Austin's Air at the other part of the office. That's a, a $1,100 air filtration uh, unit that filters out not just little, you know, pieces of, of um things in the air also filters out gases like mycotoxins. So while someone is doing the tea, maybe they can't afford to move out of their house right now, but they can at least get their, they can take their carpets outside and smack them uh, or get someone else to I take a blower actually, like a leaf blower to my carpets every few weeks and my air filters. Um, so there's always something that you can do, right? You can open windows. Uh, you can get a air filter, a good one, you know, at least a HEPA filter. I find them at Goodwill all the time. There's one across the street from our office when people are like, oh, I can't afford to move out of my mold because I run mycotoxin tests, right? Like a, a urine test and they're full of mycotoxins. And then I have uh, a guy come out to your house and, and they're like, yeah, your house is super moldy. And they're like, well, I can't afford to sell it right now, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, what can you do? Can you flush these things out of your system a little bit more? There's some of the same herbs that I just mentioned, green tea, you know, centella. Besides from being you know, neurotropic and that they calm your mind and help you focus. They're also detox agents. They actually help you upregulate your detox, actual science on four steps. You know, people talk about milk thistle for liver detox, right? And milk thistle, psilomarin is great. But what about all these other herbs that I think milk thistle covers, upregulates four different steps in phase two liver detox. Mm. Right. With his chemical pathways of like this compound turns into this compound with the help of, you know, B2 and this compound then turns into this compound with the help of, you know, B6. And then that turns into this with the help of selenium. And then out, uh, out you go in the urine because you made something fat soluble, more water soluble. Um, and if you look at the science of this stuff, like green tea covers four steps. You never hear about green tea being used for detox. Green tea is like one of the few things that can help take uh, and turmeric can help take mercury out of the brain. So the drugs can't even do that. They don't cross the blood-brain barrier. So if you've got heavy metals in your brain, you know, none of the drug chelation is not going to go suck that out of your brain. But green tea can. So we talk about 
you know, these things being used as nootropics, but these are pleiotropic agents. These are multitaskers. They don't do one thing. They do many things. And who's to say that it's the theanine in green tea, right? There's, there's hundreds of maybe thousands of compounds. We've only identified what caffeine and the ECGC, mm-hmm. right? And uh, maybe theanine and maybe a small handful of other chemi- chemistry in there. But like, we don't know. There's no like uh, green tea advisory board, uh, you know, lobbying congressmen and NIH to like fund green tea research, even though it is the most commonly uh, drank substance in the world. Um, I think it's right up there with Coca-Cola. So, but you know, no, no one's, you know, they're not making money off of this stuff, right? The, the Dutch East India company is long gone. So their uh, monopoly on green tea is, uh, is over. Now there's Lipton for better or worse. So, um, yeah, these are pleiotrophic agents that, that yes, we can think of them as, as uh, a nootropic uh, in some form or fashion. Either they help stimulate the brain like rosemary or like black spruce, you know, um, or, or they help calm the brain like a nervous brain, like your bacopa and your lavender and your tulsi. And, um, you know, in a, in a more kind of extreme case, uh, a passion flower, right, can really calm the brain down, take it down enough so you can focus. Um, but you have to remember that these things also do these other things. And we don't even know half the things that they do. I mean, the herbalists know, we, but the herbalists can't necessarily, you know, I have this colleague, Robin McGee. She's, uh, she's hilarious, and she's, she's an amazing herbalist, makes amazing medicine, right? Generations worth of herbalists in South Carolina, and she's a country bumpkin. It doesn't get more country than Robin McGee. And uh, she knows herbs, and, and they talk to her, and she talks to them. Um, but if you ask her, oh, Robin, uh, you know, um, white oak bark, why is it so astringent and... Uh, and why does it help heal wounds and itchiness and poison ivy so well? Is it the tannic compounds? She'll say, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It's PFM. It's pure fairy magic. And sometimes the F is something else also. But uh, who cares? She's like, it works. I, I know it works because I've seen it work a million times. Uh, if you want to find out the chemistry, cool. Good for you. But uh, thousands of years worth of it works was good enough for Jesus and, and frankincense and myrrh, the stuff that was given to him. You know, I'm into chemistry, but I'm also into traditional knowledge and wisdom. So uh, we can use both. We can absolutely use both. And, and you make a good point. Uh, the, you, you said you call it the pleiotrophic? Pleiotrophic, pleiotrophic yeah. Pleiotrophic. P-L-E-I-T-O-P-H-I-C, pleiotrophic. It means that something... Uh, uh, covers two or three birds with one stone or is, is a multitasker. I believe that that is really the next, that's like the next generation of holistic medicine. You know, I know maybe like it, you're on it, but you know, there's still this, it, it's like this transition of, okay, what was it? A hundred years ago, this is when the mainstream pharmaceutical complex came in and really took everything over, right? And before that, it was like the homeopathy and the and the more traditional medicines, right? But now we're kind of coming back to okay, we want we want those herbs and we want the homeopathy, we want the traditional medicines. By the way, this was interesting. I've said this on a few podcasts, but when COVID first hit, I use uh, Google Trends a lot. Um, I don't know if you've ever used Google Trends. It's a really interesting tool. You can just go and see what are people Googling, you know? And when COVID first hit, you saw 
literally a hockey stick shaped curve on the keyword homeopathy. Like people were Googling homeopathy in March and April, like they've never Googled this before. It was absolute nuts. Uh, and it's, it's empirical evidence. You can't debate. It's like Google's selling you right there. This is what people are Googling. But what the mistake people are making with these, with these herbal medicines is that they wanted to do the thing that the Adderall and the modafinil and the, you know, the, the SSRIs are doing. They want it to be like, here's the target, get the target. But it's like you said, it's a, it's a pleiotropic effect where it might hit the target, it might hit around the target, but there's all these other things going on in the body because of these medicines that also play into it hitting the target. Like I talk a lot about detoxification for brain health because it's like you said, we have to build the, you know, we have to build the phase one, the phase two and the phase three. You got to get stuff out of you. You got to literally be able to poop it out. So the gut health is good, not just for making neurotransmitters, but it's also got to get all these toxic things that your liver is detoxing out. You got to get it out or otherwise it gets recirculated. You know, the glial cells in the brain have to be able to detox all of the stuff that's in the brain. And then it's like you said, now are we actually talking about a, a mind that can't focus? Are we lifting the brain fog? Because people are looking at brain fog like, well, what is it? Is it because I'm depressed? Is it depression? Well, I'll take an antidepressant. And it's like, well, it could be a million things. And these herbs are as close as you're going to get along with the, the good diet and the mold free and all these other stuff to hitting other points in your body, lowering blood pressure, lowering your heart rate. I mean, that also plays into your, um, you know, to your, your kind of skittishness, right? Like your stress level, if your heart rate's up, you're going to feel stressed out. You're going to feel very antsy. You're going to feel very anxious. You're going to feel very ADHD. I would say the herbs in the hands in this, in the skilled hands of a practitioner, just like, a chef, you know, like, oh, I've been reading about carrots and they're, uh, you know, they have these uh, uh, carotenoids and they're precursors to vitamin E and they're good for your eyes and like antioxidants and they're awesome. And oh, I've been reading about organic moose meat, you know, which is like super high in these vitamins and, uh, and uh, B12 and, you know, like iron. And it's like, if you eat it just raw, it's super good for you. And like, how do you, but you need a chef to kind of like figure out, well, how much carrot to how much mousse to how much of this other spice to make it a meal and make it appropriate for you in your condition you know, with your constitution in a particular environment, right? So fortunately, if you blindly go into a Walmart and get some ashwagandha and moose meat and a carrot, uh, you're not going to kill yourself, uh, but you... If, if it doesn't work for someone, don't blame the herb. Uh, uh, look at, you know, look towards someone that might guide you a little bit better as to like, oh, hey, uh, if you combine ashwagandha with old B6 and quit inhaling mold every day, it's going to be like a home run. And give it a couple weeks. Um, so, yes, sometimes it actually does work immediately. Like when you really, you know, put dial in all the things you know, the first couple days. Yeah. I actually, I have had plenty of patients say that they get the effect of what they were experiencing with the pharmaceuticals within a couple days. That's rare. Right. But it, it took dialing into like, Oh, I shouldn't eat this ice cream right before I study. And, uh, Oh, that leaky thing on my tiles from above, like had something to do with my brain fog and Oh, this tea 
like can help me focus. Like when you dial all those things in, you can get uh, those books. Uh, you can get uh, you can get some pretty quick effects. So uh, yes, herbal medicine covers a lot of bases and is gentle and uh, helps you detox uh, and can achieve can achieve goals and it takes time. But also yes, sometimes it can happen fairly quickly and actually sometimes people are not even emotionally ready to get better that quickly because they've been sick for so long, which is a totally different topic. So this has been really interesting. I wanted to, before we sign out, I wanted to ask you about mushrooms, um, you know, because I, I understand mushrooms could maybe be considered herbs, but they almost kind of feel like they're their own, they're, I mean, they're definitely their own class of compound, but do you use mushrooms as well in your practice? Every day. Uh, and what, yeah, I mean, it is, it is every, system, every traditional system of medicine in the world that I know of has some form of, of uh, mushroom medicine in there and decoctions, right? Uh, you boil them up is kind of the traditional way and fruiting bodies are traditionally what's used. That's not to say that uh, mycelium is worthless, uh, but, and that's not to say that the tinctures are, you know, alcohol extracts are great at getting the triterpenes out. Uh, what I recommend is is all of the above. Is you get the mycelium, you get the fruiting body, you've get a you've got a water uh, extract to get the polysaccharides out and the water soluble things, and you also do an alcohol extract and get the fat soluble things and the triterpenes, and you put all of these things together again under the 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 skillful hands of a practitioner that knows about dosing. Right, most people totally underdose on mushrooms. Um, you say the underdose. 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 Interesting. Explain that. They just don't take enough. You know, they're like, I'm, uh, I'm taking, you know, three, because it says on the bottle right here, you know, it says, uh, you know, host defense, you know, Paul Stamets' company. Nice guy. Uh, three capsules a day. And no, I mean, like pretty much almost across the board for herbal medicine, don't go with what it says on the bottle. Get to someone that knows what they're talking about that can get you a really great product. And then, you know, sometimes it matters with food or without food. Uh, uh, oftentimes, I'm at least doubling the dose. And for that reason, it sometimes just gets to be a lot of pills, which is why I try to do things as a, a liquid extract as much as possible so you're not just downing 40 pills. So, yeah, underdosing, it, it's, it's super common. I, I typically don't mess with anything under, um, you know, three grams of mushrooms a day and again some of these you can just eat you know like my tanki you can just cook it up it's amazing for blood sugar issues and you can get it as a capsule it grows in georgia here where i am uh i found it before saute it up with some you know garlic and more white wine and some oil and yeah you know it's a meal if you combine it right sure you can get it as a capsule but uh, why wouldn't you want to just eat it uh if they sell it dried you can just it's fairly cheap i've seen better results on my Taki mushroom than on pharmaceuticals for lowering hemoglobin A1C. Wow. You, you, uh, this is something I actually wanted to ask you about too. With or without food, does it depend on the, on the herb or the mushroom? Do you want, can you take all of them with food? Do you want to avoid food? Because I've heard, I've heard all answers to, uh, on the spectrum here. So I'm wondering what you think. Generally speaking, think where you're trying to get Fat-soluble things like vitamin D, A, K, E, you do it with food. So fat with food. 
And generally speaking, if you're trying to get the water soluble stuff, you do it between meals, but it'll also usually work with meals as well. Uh, my favorite way to administer, this is, this is totally new. So this might kind of, uh, this is, all right. So I like tinctures. I like the cautions. I like infusions for teas. I like capsules are fine. I love, and this is harder to get, uh, lipos are fresh. Lipo is not technically not liposomal. It's, um, it's a um, emulsion of fresh mushroom. And this is the hard part because you have to find these things fresh. So I have a couple friends here in Atlanta that grow lion's mane fresh. Of course, it won't stay forever, but if you put it in wax paper it'll, in your fridge, it'll stay for a while. This does not taste good, but if, if I had a patient that was really looking to get a quick effect, uh, especially the nootropic or anything from a medicinal mushroom, I would have them get the fresh mushroom with oil, like Ely Udozole, something super, super clean and organic, in a Vitamix, a high-speed blender. And you whip the crap out of it in a high-speed blender, and, and it'll make a slurry, right? And it will taste bad. And uh, I, I put a couple of, you know, orange flavor, a little licorice, a little, some tinctures of some other things, a tiny hint of black pepper, um, and it crosses the barriers of cells, especially the uh, myofascial uh, covering on neurons, especially for lion's mane. And I have, uh, there are a few, there's two counts of reversal of Parkinson's, of, of complete turnarounds of neurologic conditions. But uh, you can't get as, I mean, yes, the pills, now, all those things are nice, but you have to find the fresh mushroom, uh, a Vitamix, and some oil and just make a little bit of slurry and it tastes awful. I usually mix that into a smoothie with some berries and some coconut milk and some lots of ginger. And you can usually hide the flavor of this oily, disgusting sludge into that. Uh, but you have to have a pretty willing person to do it. So that's my favorite way to administer herbal medicine is as a slurry, if you will. The mushroom. So would you do the same if you had, um, like, let's say a, a powder version of an herb, would you also take that with food? The powder version of an herb. Uh, yes, I would do it with food. And, uh, but I think it, it, for mushrooms, I don't think it's a, a big deal to my knowledge, either way, one way or the other to do with or without food. Um, this is, I, I probably could ask you questions for another couple hours. Cause this is, uh, this is so fascinating. And I feel like, we're just now starting to understand better, you know, this, this kind of herbal thing. I think the way that you, that you speak of herbs is very, um, it's enlightening, you know, for people because people find me and they go, Oh, this, this is a podcast all about nootropics. And it is, we talk a lot about nootropics, but more than anything, what I'm trying to help people understand is that nootropics are just one part of this much bigger equation. And I find this, so true, especially when it comes to things like plant medicines, herbs, mushrooms, because, you know, these are, these, these are not, they're not drugs, right? They do a lot of things. And for each person, the things are different. And so you can't just rely on just the herb or just the mushroom or just the plant to do the one thing that you want to do. Cause it, 
could do a lot of things for you. Uh, and you might get a lot of benefit from those things. You might also not get benefit from those things. It might actually work, you know, counter to what you want. So it, it's good to talk to somebody who's in this, who uses um, these herbs like a chef, right? And, uh, and you make these concoctions specifically for specific people. That's it. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, there's a science to it and there's an art to it. And it's always important to zoom out and look at the big picture. Um, that's the, that's the short of the takeaway, I guess, if I was going to boil it down. Yeah. If people want to find out more, I would say, uh, the American Herbalist Guild, right? It's on my mug here, American Herbalist Guild, uh, a great resource. Um, uh, I have an apothecary and clinic here in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Sierra Botanica and Collaborative Medicine, uh, can find me there. And yeah, go experiment with some, um, mushroom medicine or some ashwagandha and, Sure. You know, it's not going to hurt you probably. I've had some people have bad effects, but you know, these are, you're more likely to get, way more likely to get bad effects from a, a drug. Uh, and if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then, then go find an herbalist that can really craft a meal and a meal plan for you. And that would be, that would be my recommendation. That's great. And we'll put all your references there in the show notes. So if anybody's listening and wants to work with you, if they're, do you do telemedicine? Like do you do, do you go over the computer or? I do. And I recently started working with uh, my mentor, Donnie Yance, who's based out of Oregon, the Deary Center, uh, seeing cancer patients. Uh, so they're cancer patients. They're from all over the world, actually. So um, all of my consults for that gig are uh, via Zoom. And uh but I still see a lot of patients in person here. I like to feel their pulse before I look at their lab work or their, you know, urine results from their organic acids test or the mycotoxin results. I'd like to know nothing about them and just feel a pulse, see if it's fast or slow, weak or thin, deep or, or superficial or some combination of those things. And simply based on that, usually can, can come up with a pretty good prescription plan just based on their pulse. Obviously can't do that over the phone, but I can look at their tongue. They can upload pictures they can send the lab work. They can tell me their signs and symptoms that I can usually come up with just as good of a plan based on those other bits of data. That's amazing. And we'll, like I said, we'll put all that in the show notes. So if somebody does want to work with you, if they are looking for a professional herbalist, traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, um, I would certainly encourage them to seek out your expertise. Um, so this has been great. Oscar, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, listener, if you enjoyed what you heard today, you want to see the full show notes of this episode, go on over to holisticnootropics.com forward slash Oscar Sierra, and we'll have all the links, everything we talked about in this episode right there. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com.